In a world of EMS podcasters, EMS Office Hours is the only live podcast bringing you the latest topics and opinions in EMS. Turn down your scanner and turn up your speakers as we join Jim Hoffman and Josh Knapp on their latest EMS podcasting journey. Welcome, everybody, to EMS Office Hours. I am Jim Hoffman. I'm Josh Knapp. And I'm Dave Brenner. All right. Well, we have the the, the three of us here today. The Musketeers. It's yuck, pretty exciting. Yuck, yuck. I'm pretty exciting. It's pretty, pretty nice. Pretty nice. So, uh, yeah. So, hey, you. I miss you guys, you know, and you just, you know, go on without me. I fall a little bit behind and you're just like, oh, you, you know, he's not walking. Kick him a couple of times and keep on moving. This is how we learn. Ah, uh, I see. Get out of bed and come to some of the earlier morning uh, episodes. You know, so. it's you have to understand both biorhythms and the way the rest of the world works. Some of us were more to the late night hours. You know, I'd be happy to do this podcast at 11 p.m. at night, but I have a feeling it's past somebody's bedtime here. <laughs> I can do 11 o'clock at night. I can do any time. I can do 11. Yeah, yeah. you can do 11. Yeah, I, well, then we should I've been, be doing I've been known to stay up that late. <laughs> <laughs> wandering the halls, just, wondering you know, where I, the bathroom is. I just take uh, two doses of Geritol. That's all. <laughs> That's all. The, the other option is, Dave, is to sleep till noon. And then, you know, it's like everybody's gotten all this work done. You go, okay, guys, looks good. You're holding it together. Then you can go on and take a nap. All right. Well, um, First of all, of course, everyone, anyone watching live, I appreciate it. Be sure to hit the like button below. Let us know you're watching so we know. I don't see everybody that's on here at the same time because this is going out to a couple of Facebook groups and YouTube, so I don't see everyone at the same time because Facebook has a thing with the groups where you can't see the the um, peoples. So anyway. Where uh, are our peoples? I know. <sighs> So what I wanted to do um, probably today is uh, I started seeing some things about uh, patient assessment and started wanting to maybe get your guys' tips on assessing some of the more, uh, I should say, trickier patients, difficult patients, um, where it's, you know, the, you don't necessarily train on this in EMT school or paramedic school, things like the, the, the psychiatric patient, you know, assessing that, that type of a patient, assessing a patient that's in custody, you know, with, with PD, they have them in handcuffs or whatever, you know, assessing and, and treating and transporting these patients. So it's safe for you and, and, and everybody else. And also that you can actually do the assessment and not get to the hospital and hear some, you know, we found this or the blood pressure is this or the heart rate is this. And you're standing there like, well, he was in custody. I couldn't get to his wrist. I couldn't get to, you know, different parts of his body or whatever the case may be. Or he was, 
you know, the psychiatric patients where you don't want to agitate them and you don't want to get too close sometimes because you're afraid they might lash out or something. So what do you guys think? Like, do you have a specific approach to those types of patients or do you just, do you limit your interaction because of that situation? Or do you do sort of a vector type thing where, you know, a lot of the times the patients that are in custody, you know, they're, they're calling not necessarily because they really have a true emergency, but because they don't want to go to the hospital, they'd rather go to the they'd rather go to jail, they'd rather go to the hospital first for a little bit. So what what are your guys' take on that? What do you how do you approach that type of stuff? Dave, I mean, I I you know, look, I I, uh, I have uh uh, a few years in the city system here. So I've been called to holding sales and jail sales a lot. The tombs downtown are a special kind of place. You know, when you, uh, when you're, when your drug bag is bigger than the walls that your hallways that you're walking through and it brushes both sides of the hallways, you, you understand that our uh, sort of our penal system goes back a long, long way. Um, with that said, uh, you know, there's a couple of different ways to answer that. You know, you bring somebody in and the nurse says, oh, this, 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 and this, and you're sitting there and saying, well, the person was cuffed. They weren't cooperative. I couldn't do anything. Uh-huh. And, um, thinking, you know, you didn't even try visual vitals, which are, you know, we've discussed that on the show. That's certainly not the right way to go. But I have to tell something you something you can do visually. I think you're not talking yeah. about you're not talking about vital vision. You're talking vital about vision. like a respiratory rate you should be able to get. That's exactly yeah. right. Skin That's color. Right. Yep. Yeah. You know, yeah. Stuff like that. Skin, listen, skin signs tell all. You know, somebody looks like they're crappy. You know, they're diaphoretic. Their skin is pale. I mean, they look ashen. Something's going on, right? You know, I want to say something. The The back of the ambulance is not the same place as an emergency room. And yeah. there are times that, it, that we have to take care of our own safety and that the assessment of a, a violent and agitated uh, patient that we're doing our best to, to manage them safely without hurting them is going to take the priority. If you don't come in with a full set of vital signs, an SpO2, an entitled CO2, a temperature, a BGL on everybody, I, I think there are certain circumstances where that's okay. Um, I, I would hope, and, and we're a little spoiled, Josh, we're spoiled uh, in the sense that we don't have a long way to go when you pick them up in general. In general, I, 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 I had an eye-opening experience when I was presenting in um, Kansas this August. And uh, I, I, I was pretty much, yeah, I think I was talking about sepsis. But whatever I was talking about, um, somebody asked a question. And I said, well, yeah, yeah. they say people don't want to go to the hospital because it's such a, you know, then they got to get home on their own. And I said, well, they can just call Uber. And I was told I was naive. They don't have Uber in Kansas. And sometimes the patients are being transported, you know, over a hundred miles to get to right. the hospital. Yeah. Right. And, and, and so if, if we have a hundred mile transport, I would 
go out of my way to to make sure that when I'm picking up such a patient. And, I, you know, I'm sorry, Dave. I, I you I mean, you inspired me to a slight tangent and I don't want to go completely off. Squirrel. Subject, squirrel. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is because I was thinking what you the 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 gift that you have is that you get to go around to these other cities you lecture, you integrate with EMS, you find out what their situations are, you understand that it's not a five-minute trip to the hospital, it's an hour-and-a-half trip to the hospital. And in that period of time, it's like where a, a New York City medic who picks the guy up outside the emergency room and has to just drive around the hospital to bring him back to the emergency room, they have a greater uh, transport. And more things, more things can be done, but more things can it's happen. It's a different too. practice of medicine. Completely, completely. Yeah. And and what I wanted to encourage our viewers is, if you've never gotten out of your home state, if you've never got out of your locale, go to an EMS conference. I mean, that's that's a freebie. It's not free, sir, but it is <laughs> a great way to get out. You can meet Dave. You can you can meet. Uh, well, I, I was going to say Jim, but he's sort of sedentary now. He's, you oh, know, but if you wow. get around to Florida and I'm as guilty as Jim, I'm, I really don't get out that much either anymore. But, you know, the idea is, is that you get to see how others are doing and what's even better than that. Take a, an advanced course somewhere else where you're integrating where you're you're looking you're looking to use new tools you're looking to use new processes, but you have to now learn that in Kansas City they don't have the same setup that that oh, you have in every wherever up to you date are. in Kansas City. Right, they've gone just about as far as they can go. Any anyway, yeah, yeah. Where, where I was going, where I was going, um, was that for incarcerated. Uh, the patients in custody for agitated patients. I'm, I'm going to tell you that uh, the, prin the principles of psychological intervention, not what they tried to teach me in an EMT class with that five minute lecture, um, but the foundations of the psychological trauma and EMS patients, the PTEP class, the National Association of EMTs uh, has put out in the uh, 2017, now an international course, and a, and a shameless mention that I am one of the authors, one of the six primary authors, uh, and I am student number one of the course. And a damn good one, too. And it's, it's, it's an amazing course, and it works well with people that are under the... If you think that being in a motor vehicle crash causes psychological trauma to a patient, and it does, being... In under arrest, you know, in custody, handcuffed, that causes a psychological trauma as well. And that to, to the degree possible, I employ the same, the same support that I would provide to any other medical or trauma patient. And I'm going to mention it, just the simple foundations. I provide social support. I let them know, no matter how agitated they are, no matter what they were arrested for, that when they're in my care, I'm there to help them. 
and I'm going to provide the very best care I can with the limitations of what we have. And sometimes the limitation is the patient. So I'm going to provide social support to the degree that I can, especially to a person who's under under somebody else's custody or agitated, I'm going to give them the opportunity to make choices to the degree that I can. They're not going to get the choice if they're under arrest that, yep, can you pull over here? I'm getting out. That's not their choice. Um, But I'm going to give them choices and I'm going to give them as much control of the medical exam that is prudent for me to do. Now, I know they lose a certain amount of control when they're in somebody else's custody. I know that. And I'm not going to offer them things that I can't deliver on. But, you know, if I say, listen, I'd like to take a blood pressure. Would you prefer that I use your left arm or your right arm? What's yeah. the harm in that? Well, I you find know? it's funny you said it, Dick. One thing that I, I have found is that when you have somebody, especially the psych, psychiatric patients that are, are kind of a little bit on the, the edge or the people who are, you know, under arrest, if I explain everything that I'm doing, ask permission for everything that I'm doing and give them, even though, like you said, left that's a arm, choice. Right arm, right? When you say to them, you can them I? Cho- right. You, when you give them a choice, left arm or right arm for their blood, it doesn't matter. It's a bullshit choice, but to them, it's like you're giving them some sort of control in that situation. And they, and they and, need it. Yeah. They- and I think that lends them to look at you. Okay. This guy is not a cop. He's really, an EMT or a paramedic, he doesn't really care about me going to jail or whatever. And like you said, it, it, it leans towards the fact that they kind of realize, all right, he's here to help me. Even if I'm full of shit and I'm making believe I can't breathe or I'm making believe I have chest pain, this guy is still taking me seriously. He's still going to do what you he's You don't have to be under, a, under arrest you know. to fake chest pain. Well, that's true too. But so, you know, but you get... I, you've seen videos. I'm sure we've had. We've talked about this. I think in the past we we had videos of EMTs that went into a jail cell. They kind of blew the patient off, and the patient ended up having, you know, a, a DKA or something, right, or something like that going on. And you see the video of them kind of ignoring the patient, not really attending to the patient. And you know, you can say, yeah, you know, that's kind of an attitude you can take. But at some point, you need to do the assessment and, and you know, address the patient, no matter what the complaint is, whether or not you feel it's valid or not valid, you know. So but, I want to remind our viewers that every time that Jim or Dave or I say that we've discussed this before, that there is an entire treasure trove of uh, previous uh, podcasts that we have done and Jim and I and Dave have been doing this now for a whole bunch of years. And, and Jim and I go back even further than that. And uh, there's some there's some nuggets to be learned back there. But most important, if you're watching now, go to the Apple's iTunes and like us. Go to your podcast and like us. And that's Amazon, how we're, we're on Amazon now. We're on right. Spotify. We're on iTunes. And I mean, I go back as far as 2005 when I first started doing these things. And I, my very first one was when I, I interviewed uh, Dr. Bloodzo back in the day. One know. to listen to. 
Absolutely. Yeah, so, you know, it's funny you said just to kind of go off on the side real quick. You know, he actually Squirrel, just me. did some kind of a he did just did some kind of a uh, did a post something like that on Facebook talking about his life in EMS, and it's like his opinion and what he sees EMS being is almost exactly the same as it was in 2005, including the way EMS is still trying to evolve. It, you know? Yeah, 15 years ago, right? But um, I I do want to just get back to the wait, whole idea wait, that what? Wait a minute. Sorry, Dave. I was in the middle of, of, of telling you the things I would do. I got two more. I oh, said oh. I would provide I, I, I gotta finish it. Social okay, support. Okay, sorry. You know, introducing myself and, and I and I use this line and it sounds corny, and people tell me they can't use it, just don't use my name. Um, but the line works and watch what happens to your patient when you say, Don't say Dave Brenner. Hi, my name is Dave <laughs> Brenner. I'm a paramedic. I'm gonna take really good care of you not good care of you, or I'm going to take care of you today, or I'm your EMT today, like you're the person serving them in uh, a restaurant, but I'm going to take really good care of you. Social support, you give them choices and control to the degree that you can. One of the things many people hate, I know I do, uh, is not knowing what's going to happen next. So you let them know what you know what's going to happen next, we can anticipate. They want to anticipate. How long will it take to get to the hospital? What will happen when I get there? You know what's going to happen. They're going to meet a triage nurse. The triage nurse is going to ask them all of the questions we already asked them. You know, right. but but tell them that this is what's going to. And then the triage nurse is going to decide where in the emergency room they're going to get treatment. All right. So, so isn't that sort of an important thing that we do within EMS is build that build that communication bridge or fail to build it. it or well or yes but our goal is to build that and, and it would be great if we were all trained specifically to address all four three of them i've already mentioned all right it's like i know every time i mention something the there's a squirrel that, that's the my job right. we want that's the my fourth. job so even if you're going to lean them back and you say to them, you know, they're sitting on the stretcher and you're going to lean them back, say, hey, we're going to lean you back. Hey, we'll get, when we get to the hospital, we're going to take you out and we're going to go with you. Yes, the police, police officer is going to come with us if that's something to be anticipated. Let them know everything that's going to happen. This is a, not only good for them, it is a management technique that puts them, that allows them to put their faith in you. They know what's going to happen. And then the, the final thing is to the degree possible, because, uh, Jim, you grouped them together. You said people under arrest, people with psychiatric or, the, or agitated disorders, let them get involved in the planning process as much as they can. Yeah. Is there anything you would like to do before we leave the house? Is there anything we need to do before we leave your car? Maybe they've been arrested for DWI or whatever. Is, is there anything we need? Okay. It, and as we get, and really I like to give people choices and it's part of the planning process as well. And, and I know we, we discussed this at another time. Uh, I would give people choices of which hospital to go to, to a degree, to a degree. I mean, I had, I'm out way out in the middle of Suffolk County. I had a, a woman giving birth at two o'clock in the morning. who told me to take her to St. Luke's and you could, you could have read the ha ha over my head. By the way, she gave birth on Nichols Road. She named the child Nicole because it was on Nichols Road. I told her she could have had little Horace Harding or Kuskiusko. 
uh, if I had followed her advice, <laughs> which would have been fine. But um, so let them anticipate what's going to happen. So there are no surprises, even how long it's going to take. Is and, and the final thing I, I said before, it's let them get involved in the planning and the organization if they can. Their brain needs to do this. It, 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 it helps their brain settle down when they start making decisions that make sense, when they become part of the organization rather than simply have things that happen to them. So in summary, social support, choices, control, anticipation, and planning an organization. If you do that stuff systematically, if you plan it, you do it throughout your call, it calms the patients down. And that was straight out of Dave's paramedic lecture. So you can email Jim. For no, but you CMA. know what? It's, it's David makes a good point. I think that all it's of it is very point. important. I mean, I you should be doing that with all your patients, you know, but I think. Well, you're, that, you're right. You know, but I think that when you encounter some of the more difficult patients, doing that and being more conscious, I think, of doing it is is more important. A lot of times when you have a, a regular patient, you might say, oh, I want to take your blood pressure. And then you just take, it doesn't matter what arm you're doing it in. You know what I mean? Or you might sound check your pulse or you might say whatever. And, you know, you're kind of just going through it and, you, and you're not really that concerned about, you know, of the, the uh, 80 year old, you know, female lashing out at you as you would be the 20 year old male that's in handcuffs. You know what I mean? So, your your approach is a little bit different, even though you should be explaining everything to them and introducing yourself. I mean, Dave, you mentioned about giving them good care. That was a place that I worked where they insisted that every time you made a patient encounter, it was, hi, my name is Jim, and I'm going to provide you excellent care. You know, they wanted you know, to say that for every patient. And they drilled it into you when you got hired. They drilled it into you when you were doing your, your FTO time and all that type of stuff. And yeah, it's kind of corny. It's kind of, you know, um, I don't know, it's a little stilted. But when you say that, like you said, Dave, it, it starts the, the, um, uh, the communication between you and the patient, you know, much, much, it's much calming. Better. Yes. You know, so much of these are, are, you know, the mirror of presentation skills. If you have to give a lecture in front of an audience, if you have to teach a class, these are the things that you want to come in and communicate, you know, hi, I'm so-and-so, this is, uh, I'm a subject matter expert in, in these things. I'm going, we're going to have fun today. You can, yeah. you can sort of, you know, switch those out to, I'm going to take real good care of you today. Those right. are the things that are, are excellent in building the bridge. I, I want to throw in a note of caution that sometimes when you're doing this, you can be very effective, but your read on what's actually going on or you don't know it, what's going on in your patient's head. And you that is not an excuse at that point moment for you to drop your guard, for you to be unaware of the other aspects that are going on. Situational awareness is a key aspect of, uh, of a, you know, building that bridge with your patient, but also keeping yourself safe. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, you know, definitely. What's, in, there? what's that? Nothing. Go ahead. You know, there, there is, um, 
some some guidelines and I was I was looking it up. I'm trying to find the the they actually had a protocol that they wanted you to follow for every patient, you know, um, you know, and, and I thought that it, I'm going to actually, I'm not going to do it now because it's, it's kind of um, extensive, but I think I'm gonna, I might do a video on this to kind of give it to the, the masses as sort of a way to um, that initial approach to patient. And they actually developed it off of a paramedic that was uh, worked there that was uh, very into the patient experience and providing excellent care. And it developed this whole protocol on, you know, your approach to the patient, their surroundings, their situation, the assessment, and just one page. But if you look at it, it really does uh, talk a lot about what you talked about, Dave, you know, um, so just, I just wanted to just kind of talk about that today a little bit, guys, because I wanted to, I've been seeing a little bit about that in um, some of the Facebook groups, uh, you know, on people that are new and they're thinking, oh my God, you know, when I, in EMT school, there's just a mannequin laying there or my, my fellow student and I'm doing the head to toe and no one's thrashing about and nobody's got their hands pinned behind their back and, you know, and, and they start encountering real patients in the field. And like you said, Josh, if you're in a, a place like New York where you get a lot of these encounters pretty frequently, um, you're thrown into it and you're like, what the hell's going on? I I'm suddenly having these patients on a regular basis and you know, you're know, not quite sure what to do. I remember my, when I first started encountering these types of patients as a new EMT in, in New York, you know, it was like, it was an eye opener. It was, you know, you take a step back. I go, wait a second. I'm not just doing, you know, these little old ladies and trauma on the highway. You know, I've got to deal with uh, criminals and, you know, psychiatric patients that might, you know, hurt me. So with that, I wanted to talk a little bit about something else um, before we end the show. Nice segue. Nice segue. <laughs> that was smooth, actually. That was... I'm actually interested in what you have to say. Right. I want to talk a little bit about the situational awareness um, that we need to have. And the reason I know we've talked about it before, and I, I think several times with a lot of other guests that we've had on shows and, and stuff in the past. Um, but things that, that, that we need to just, I, I mean, listen, this might be very basic for a lot of people. But nowadays, you're seeing more and more um, attacks on EMS providers. Uh, you know, you're seeing more. Uh, I mean, just recently that somebody pulled a gun out on two EMTs in New York. You know, there was there was um, a there was active a shooter in the park. Yeah, you know, the firefighter was shot and killed. You know, just a few days ago. Um, and I think it's becoming more more important than ever to have that situational awareness. But with that one thing, and I watched a video from a, a, a EMS paramedic and I'm gonna try to get him on the show. Uh, but he talks about something that I've been big about for many years. And that is EMTs and paramedics that feel as if the uniform and sometimes the badge that sometimes you wear and depending on where you work, um, gives you some sort of perceived authority that you think you are equal to a police officer. 
and you start acting that way and then in turn sometimes might get treated that way and and meaning you know somebody trying to beat the shit out of you because you're mouthing off you're being too arrogant being too um you know nasty to people because you think that you've got some kind of authority listen to me get on the stretcher get on this go here do that i'm in charge not you i mean there's a place oh you'll go into the hospitals right i've I've heard that so many times there are some situations where you have to be you have to be more very matter of fact about things um but I, this is something I, I would have fights with partners about saying, dude, don't ever pull that again on a call because you do not have a gun. I don't have a gun. We're not cops. And whatever perceived authority you have, you don't have, you know, um, because many times it's just you and your partner on a call. And if things go sideways, it's going to take a while before you get somebody there to help you. I've been in that situation many times where, you know, I'm calling for assistance and it seems like forever before that assistance gets there. Well, you know? if you have to call for assistance because none was coming, it's already too late. Yeah. That's the, well, that's the problem, right? I mean, I was in situations where you think it's, you, there's no worry for anything. And then next thing you know, somebody's pulling out a knife on you or, you know, threatening to get a gun or whatever. So I think that, the situational awareness thing is very important. And I, and, and something that I, I, I would encourage is that the scene safety element of our approach to calls doesn't end when we first get on scene, you know, it's something that we need to be doing on repeatedly through the call. I don't know if either one of you have ever had the situation where you're, you're in a home, and you think it's just you and the patient and maybe another family member and you're talking and you're going about your business. Oh, somebody, somebody comes out of a back bedroom, you know, and with a hundred pound dog. Yeah, well, exactly. Or even a dog gets out of some place and where does the dog come from? You know, and that's all part of it. And, and I don't know if you guys have any quick tips for people for that or experience you want to, you want to kind of convey that might uh, uh, open eyes to that, that, that possibility but I do think, like I said, I feel that now you're seeing more and more of this. I don't know if it's because just because of the social media and everybody has videos and cameras and and more of it's getting videotaped and more I of it's getting that's recorded, a part of it, you know, or if it actually is becoming more prevalent because of just a climate of people not having respect anymore for any type of authority. So I, I do have a few uh, thoughts on that. And number one is um, right, the the <laughs> number one is what is taught what should be taught or is taught in every emt and paramedic class that you ever take and that is your number one job is to go home safely at the end of the day and everything else everything else grows out of that and when you start to talk about you know perception and what your perception is of yourself versus what you actually are, what your what your role in this scenario actually is, you you sometimes, even though the excitement has kicked up and there is a level of authority coming in as a uh, as uh, an outside entity tasked with public safety, 
yours is not the role of the police. And and especially with the last thing that that Dave and, and Jim said was, you know, with cameras, you especially there there there's there's smaller less and less gray area that you can get involved in this and come out unscathed. So you really need to keep that internal focus of what is your job? Why are you being called? How do you act appropriately? And you are not law enforcement. You, that doesn't mean you can't take on a self-defensive role, but you're not there in, in to uh, facilitate an arrest, for instance, or to you know, mitigate uh, you know, somebody who is a danger to themselves and others. You're there for the health and transport of that individual to more um, uh, uh, defined care. That's one of the, that's what I, I really wanted to throw out there. You know, I'm very big on situational awareness, but coming with situational awareness is your mental attitude of what your role is. And yes. I think I think that's extremely important. Yeah, I will say that that I think that one key thing as well is 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 presenting yourself as a professional, right? If you present yourself as a professional and it kind of goes full circle back to what we had talked about in the first part of this is explaining to the patient everything, um, asking them permission, giving them choices that are appropriate uh, for their care and transport. Um, and then that is going to establish you as a professional, as somebody who can is in charge of the situation, right? And that is going to lend it so that you don't need to be the person that is more aggressive or more like Dave said, you know, get in the ambulance, you're going to the hospital type thing. You know, if you present yourself with, you know, the way your uniform looks, the way that you act, the way that you speak to the patient and family and, and whatnot, that is going to go a long way to preventing uh, you know, further issues. Now, there are patients and family members that no matter what you do, you know, will get violent. You know what I mean? And you end up in that situation, you know, but anyone that thinks that, oh, it's not going to happen to me or I can handle it if a patient, you know, loses it. It's me and my partner. It's two on one. So I don't know if you ever, if anyone's ever seen some of these videos of police officers, two police officers wrestling one person or even more than that wrestling one person, it can be, you know, the You've two already lost. Lose. You've already lost if you have to wrestle. Yeah. Right. I mean, I've been in a situation there's been five or six of us trying to restrain one person and it's nearly impossible. Just you're, 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 you know, trying to use restraints, you know, on their arms and legs and stuff to restrain them to the, to the stretcher, you know, and you've got right. five six people trying to do it. So don't think that you in a, somebody's home or in the back of an ambulance that's, that someone starts to freak out that you're going to somehow subdue them easily. And, you know, and, we're not all trained in uh, uh, jujitsu and stuff to, to start, you know, taking patients down and with, with your thumb. <laughs> but, you know, e even if you can overpower them, e and even if you can, even if you can easily overpower them and, and, and stop their forward-moving efforts, they, they could continue to, to uh, resist you and sure. fight against you. And 
All of your good efforts are going to go away when they get into the ER. They find they've got rhabdo. Their kidneys are destroyed because you restrained them. Yeah, and even that's that, another issue you have to think about. And and, and you, you don't want to you don't want to be in that position at all. I mean, I've seen that happen with with just people having seizures. You know, there's there's no intent. Nobody gets angry at them, but they're being they're being held back, and they they have this uncontrollable, literally uncontrollable urge to exert. And if if we don't manage that correctly, um, they're going to damage themselves and. Uh, we were there to stop them from damaging themselves. So, yeah, you know, so uh, we got to get better at that. You know, we got to get better at. Um, and there are classes out them. there people can take. There's videos to watch that people can watch on 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 all of this uh, type of stuff. You know, um, you know, there's there was a a, a presentation that that was done uh, the auto patient rapport that goes over how to speak to patients and how to build the rapport when you first encounter them. So going forward, if, if, you know, something goes wrong or they take it the wrong way, it's not as um, uh, uh, detrimental to you or them. If what's going on doesn't, doesn't work out, you know, you know, that the full assessment, if they get violent and they end up getting restrained, you know, uh, there is, You've done everything. You can say to yourself, I've done everything that I could to avoid the situation. Like Dave said, if it's at a point where you're wrestling, it's too late for any of that. You know, so start out with the I'm going to give you excellent care. Can I use your left arm for blood pressure? You know, what hospital would you prefer to go to? All that type of stuff. Instead of you're going to the hospital, you know, uh, you know, there was a, a a cop once that was on the scene with us with, with a, a psychiatric patient and he tells the patient, you know, uh, I, I'm going to ask you to go, then I'm going to tell you to go, and then I'm going to make you go, you know, you and know, I said that, patient didn't like that. He, he chose make me go. So we ended up, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? Some people are like, you know, screw you, man. I'm going to, I'm going to, Roll the dice. Go ahead. Try to make me go. You know, as an excellent point of you know a reoccurring reoccurring theme of this podcast is for our uh, listeners to use the resources out there to improve your skills within EMS. And there's a ton of resources out there because experience is a great teacher, but it is an unforgiving one. And sometimes the that lack of experience can you, be, you know survive the experience exactly and your career or worse and yeah. um yeah, just just you know talking about these type of things the you it it is when you come into a, a combative situation there are so many uh variables on this uh, uh about the scene there is no way that um, just winging it is going to get you through. Yeah, yeah I mean, okay. luck might, but winging it won't. Yeah, listen, I, 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 we've all been new, and when I was new, I winged a lot of stuff, but I've learned. Take it till I you learned, make it. I learned from it, you know, and honestly, and this is something I tell people a lot. 
you know, when I, inside TurboMedic and, and on, on the Facebook pages and stuff like that is, you know, there comes a time when you have to sort of self-educate yourself on things because you're not going to get a CME on everything you need to know to be a good, you know, EMS provider, you know, um, you're not going to get it all in your initial classes and stuff like that, or you might get a small segment of it. So go out there and find the resources like Josh, like Josh said, to be better at EMS and to be better and be a, a better EMS professional because of the fact you're taking time to invest in yourself, which in turn is going to relate to what you're doing out there, you know, with your partner and with patients and doctors and nurses, it'll come across that you're doing more than just the basics and you're not winging it. The end. <laughs> All right. So guys, we'll wrap it up there. We've been going for about uh, 40 minutes. Um, I do appreciate the few people that did jump in today. Uh, that Thank we saw. You. Thank you so much for liking the show. Uh, and like I said, be sure to go to Spotify and iTunes and uh, Amazon, and you will find the show there. That those, I'm sure, one of those could be your favorite platform where you can like and follow the show um, and listen to all the previous episodes as well and upcoming and get notified when new episodes are posted. So anything else you guys want to talk about? Any last minute um, thoughts on today's subjects? No, I thought they were good. Good subjects. Worth talking yeah. about. Yeah. Always um, worth talking about. I have another one that I want to talk about, but it's not, we don't have time for today, but next time I'm going to bring it up. Well, it kind of goes along the same lines of what we're talking about today. And I thought about it. I've been meaning to bring it up and want to discuss it, but. Write it down. I have to write it down. I gotta, Jim, the redness should I'm go away. Been very big on making lists lately. I've been Mr. List. Okay. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks again for joining us. Um, as always, I am Jim Hoffman. Josh Knapp. Dave Brenner. Stay safe, everybody. <laughs>